This is your pal, your host of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, Dane Alves, with another enticing episode where we break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news from the last week. Uh, we had a great show Wednesday going over the Royal Rumble, uh, Raw, uh, Worlds Collide, you know, a whole bunch of different stuff, NXT. We didn't get around to AW Dynamite, and on air, me and Chris scheduled to do this Saturday, today, talk about some AEW Dynamite, and also go over a couple news items before I go and watch some New Japan wrestling here in Atlanta. But before we get to all that, let me introduce my co-host, the co-hostess with the mostest, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, man. I'm uh, a little tired, but outside of that, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Cracked open my first beer. This is, uh, this is 12 beer, 12 o'clock beer. How are you doing, Dane? You know, I'm doing great, and the funny thing about the 12 o'clock beer is I actually already know about that procedure because my grandmother, still to this day, she gets up at 7 o'clock usually, maybe a little bit earlier. Uh, She's been doing this for years, and uh, when it gets to noon, uh, after she makes breakfast and everything, noon, she looks at her watch, and she goes, time for beer, and she grabs a bag, (laughs) and that's what she does every fucking day, and that's why I love her. Wonderful, wonderful, thick-headed Italian and Polish woman. Sounds like someone I would love to hang out with. <laughs> Seems like a good time. She is a good time. Anyways, but let's uh, let's let's get into stuff. A couple news items I wanted to go over, Chris. We kind of went over the injury report, but I wanted to go a little more in detail with that. Um, so you could have a chance to talk about that, you know, because we didn't really get to talk and converse. Uh, uh, AJ Styles, it looks like he'll be up. He'll be out for two months is what he's saying, so the shoulder separation thing wasn't as bad as uh, predicted beforehand. Samoa Joe uh, suffered a concussion on Raw, like we said. We still haven't found out any details of how long that will have him out. Uh, Alexander Wolf uh, at Worlds Collide got knocked out, but luckily I don't think he got a concussion from it. He just was hitting the jaw so hard. He's going to be out for a little while. Io Shirai should be out for a couple months. She got an injury. Uh, that's unfortunate because I thought that she was building herself on fire. Sasha Banks uh, got, suffered an injury that we don't really know any type of details of, but it was the reason why they called Kelly Kelly to be involved in the Royal Rumble match that took her out of the Royal Rumble. Uh, I think on SmackDown they blamed it on Lacey Evans or something like that, and I don't remember. I, I, I don't know exactly what happened, but she's going to be out for a little while. Also not included in WWE. Brian Cage injured himself, I think. I want to say he injured himself while working out. So he's actually going to be out for a little while. So wherever he was going, rumored was AEW. But his wife um, turned that that concept down. So there's there's talks that he might go to New Japan. There's talks that he might go to AEW, but we don't know. But as of right now, I think that is everyone – 
that unfortunately has been injured. Chris, do you have any type of maybe newer updates that I'm not aware of or just comments on any of those injured besides that it sucks? No, I mean, the two scariest are Samoa Joe and Sasha Banks because I, I feel like both of those are concussions. Um, and with a concussion, you know, it could be it could be like two weeks and you're fine, or it could be like we saw with Alexa Bliss previously where it's like, you know, six to seven months depending on the syndrome around it. And I'm sure this isn't the first one that Sasha or Samoa Joe have received. So those are probably the scariest ones. AJ Styles is a freak, much like uh, John Cena. So if he says two months, I'm assuming he's going to be back before Mania. So uh, get well soon, AJ. And uh, Brian Cage, I, I didn't hear about that one, so that one's a little new to me. Um, so I, I don't have any update information on that one. Oh, and uh, to, to let you guys know, since I found the information, I should have had this in front of me, I apologize. Uh, the information for Io Shirai is that she suffered a knee injury catching Tony Storm on a dive at uh, the last NXT show. Well, the one two weeks previous where she performed. So uh, she doesn't need major surgery as of right now, and the recovery time looks for about two months too. So, um, you know, unfortunate, but I hope that there's a way to get her in a situation, maybe Kabuki Warriors versus her and another person uh, for either, you know, NXT's takeover before Mania or at Mania. Um because I think they would fucking tear the house down. I don't know who she could work with, but we could figure out another heel to throw in there. Uh, either way, that sucks. Um, I also wanted to report, unfortunately, even though it's, you know, probably one of the, uh, I don't want to say better cancers to get or anything like that, but one of the easier ones uh, done uh, would be uh, skin cancer. And unfortunately, Bret Hart has a form of skin cancer. So knowing the, his past and his battles, uh, I hope everything for the hitman and hope that he recovers fully from that. Uh, any last comments uh, before we move on, Chris? Yeah, just well wishes to Brett. Um, you know, he battled throat cancer, what, two or three years ago, I want to say. It was when Jericho was still in, in WWE. So uh, it hasn't been that long ago that he just got through that. So that's shitty news. But, you know, get well soon, Brett. Hopefully Jericho doesn't rip uh, little children's signs. Uh, like last time, but I'll, I'll just uh, <laughs> get, get well, yeah. get well, Brett. Um, and then as far as, um, I mean, I guess the biggest thing is you know, like with Sasha already like kind of delaying those four or five months, she has that three-year contract. You, you kind of just feel like Vince is going to tack on the injury time. And yep. know, they, <laughs> that's just disgusting to me. Every time I think about that. I mean, if it was like AJ, I don't think he would do it, but like the, the, Luke Harper, yeah, Sasha, the, the who pissed them off. Just, yeah. So, well, yep. something a little bit, a little bit more positive is uh, people are wanting to know about some free agents, and we've talked about a lot of them. Unfortunately, one of them was Brian Cage. Like I said, I'll get the detail of his injuries when Chris talks, uh, so I know more information about that. I'm pretty sure he tore a muscle, so he's not going to be out so long, but it's prolonging him from starting up with one of these companies. Uh, but Killer Cross looks like he's going to be debuting next week. That hasn't been 100% confirmed, but all the promo stuff and what people are saying is that that is going to be inevitable. I don't know if he's going to come out, and since they haven't used her, uh, you know, his, his, uh, his fiance Scarlett Bardot, will be here like his valet. I don't know exactly how they're going to do that, but that is a big plus. Uh, Luke Harper, uh, 
from what everyone is saying, uh, even though he wants to do New Japan, I don't know if he's going to sign some type of contract that's very similar to Moxley um, and Chris Jericho and Kenny uh, allowing him to do that, but there was rumors that he might be going to Ring of Honor because they're already partnered with New Japan, and there were uh, stuff between him and Marty online of Marty offering him a spot in the the, – what is it? The villain uh, enterprises, which would be weird because they already have uh, Brody King in there. So having Brody Lee and Brody King in there will be interesting. Um, and I know that I'm pretty sure Marty is still really working hard on trying to get a relationship between Ring of Honor and AEW to kind of coexist with MLW, New Japan, AAA as one more 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 cohesive unit at least, and NWA kind of working together. Um, but Either way, it looks like he's going to AEW. Uh, Metzler uh, was saying that he thinks that he'll be introduced when they go to Rochester, which is the second week in March, uh, which is Luke Harper's hometown. Which I can see what he's saying, but at the same time, I think that Luke Harper popping up anywhere is going to get the audience into it. Um, It's interesting of what exactly they're going to do. I don't know. I would not put him with the Nightmare Collective. I would not have him as the person in charge of the Dark Order. I would have him a singles guy, and he's going to be a babyface because people are going to want to cheer for him. It's just a fun. It's it's fun thinking about the direction with Mr. Luke Harper. But it looks like everything's pointing to him in AEW. Uh, how do you feel about Killer Cross? We kind of talked a little bit of it uh, with NXT uh, and Luke Harper with AEW. And who would you like to see both of them kind of can you know, uh, have a confrontation with first upon arriving if they do go to these set companies, Chris. Killer Cross is a little bit weird because I feel like they're just going to try to build him from the ground up. So if they're if they go that route, I would say, you know, starting him with someone like Damian Priest or uh, Dijakovic, like kind of getting them him in the mix with those big guys, um, probably not a bad idea. I think that's that's probably a good fit and kind of building around that uh, with the North American Championship, kind of building that division up, uh, I think that wouldn't be too bad of a move. I'm kind of excited to see him in, in, in NXT and, and see what they do and if they change his name or how that shakes out. Uh, this one's a little bit of the rumor mill, but it kind of plays into injuries, and I forgot to bring it up, which is uh, Ember Moon, speaking of NXT, is rumored for NXT, and on the show, uh, I believe it was what, Wednesday, <laughs> did like the, the patterns or whatever. Um, like as an image during part of it, so people are rumoring that. So maybe keep an eye out for that. As far as uh, Brody Lee goes, man, I just feel like if he comes back at the beginning of March, as rumored, that's what right after AEW's next pay per view. If Moxley wins the title, do you just do him versus Moxley and set him up as a big brawling badass? Because I, I mean, I feel like that would make a lot of sense. You do him versus Moxley, him versus Darby, and him versus Joey Janela, similar to what you did with Moxley, but maybe make him look like, I mean, if he's going to do Bruiser Brody, you could kind of do that very easily with some of the guys that they have there. I think it would be interesting. I'd love to see them go against each other. Obviously, I think both of them are going to be considered baby faces if Harper is in um, AEW. But Moxley and Harper kind of first helping each other out against um, the 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 circle. That would be a very interesting concept. But I think he's going to get a huge pop. Here's an interesting thing, and we we didn't really talk about this because this is kind of new. 
separate from that, uh, within AEW, Sean Spears has um, he's gotten the uh, copyrights to uh, the gimmick The Reaper. And I don't know how I feel about that. No offense to Sean, I think he's 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 doing doing well building himself. I don't I don't, I don't think he's been utilized. But if anyone were to have a persona kind of like the Reaper, I kind of wish it would be a Luke Harper and not a Sean Spears. Do you know what I'm saying, Chris? Yeah, I mean, what I mean, what are they gonna do? Like put like Sonata masks on him or something? Like <laughs> face paint? Like, I just don't, like, that doesn't look like a Reaper. So I totally get what you're saying. Like, evil looks like a fucking madman. Uh, but, like, Sean Spears looks like a, I mean, he just looks like a baby face to begin with. That's <laughs> like the Reaper. Uh, you've got to do some dastardly shit to get that over, whether he's got the rights to it or not. I'm not going to say it's not going to work because obviously we haven't seen it play out, and he does have Tully there. And Kevin Sullivan's in the back, so maybe they'll come up with something cool, but. Um, that that thing that worries me is like, does that mean he's going to be part of the Nightmare Collective or the the Dark Order, and like Tully's going to get involved? That's like, what I'm wondering. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of that. That's the only worry there. I mean, I don't know. You know, Brody Lee is such a great name. He doesn't really need a gimmick like the, being called the Reaper or anything. Yeah, that's very true. Oh, and just to let you guys know, so. Uh, Brian Cage, uh, it was a torn bicep, and he had surgery on it about two weeks ago. So we'll set him out of action, any wrestling sense, and he came on and let everyone know before he went to surgery that he hasn't signed a contract with anyone yet. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where the machine ends up. Um, any other comments before we move on? No, just get well soon to all those uh, all the cats we talked about Um I hope Samoa Joe comes back faster. It seems like he's just had a string of bad luck whenever he gets put into a big program. Fucking sucks. And, um, it's it's brutal because he's like one of my all-time favorites. But uh, yeah, man, just get get well, Brett, and everyone else on that list. And uh, excited for Brody wherever he goes. If he ends up in Ring of Honor, like him versus PCO, that'd be awesome. And then like anything he could do in New Japan. So even if he uh, even if he doesn't end up in AEW, I, I still think that's going to be awesome. All right, let's get to the uh, probably the weirdest information that dropped yesterday. Uh, CO presidents of WWE Titan Sports, uh, George Barros and Michelle Wilson, have been replaced. Uh, it's it's been called out a management transition, but Variety describes it that they were forced out. Uh, they've been a part of the company, both of them, for ten plus years. I think eleven years, and. Um, their stock went down a good bit because of this. Uh, stock price now, from what Dave Metz reported, is $49.79 per share. It's a 20.5% uh, drop uh, within an hour of this happening. Uh, Vince McMahon uh, made a, a comment about this and said, I would like to thank George and Michelle for the 10-plus years of service and contributions to the organization. I am grateful for all that was accomplished during their tenure. And the board and I decided to change was necessary as we have different views on how to best uh, to achieve our strategic priorities moving forward. We have a deep team of talented, experienced, and committed executives across the organization and the board, and I have great confidence in our collective abilities to create compelling content 
engage our global fan base across platforms, increase revenues, and drive shareholders' value. Now, obviously, I'm not going to pretend I know anything about fucking stock at all, but I think the stock, it says here that it was at $53.50 and then dropped to $49.79. So I don't really I, – I just – when people say that's not good, I am definitely going to believe them. I would assume in a situation like this, there is going to be a drop in stock because it's two you know, presidents of a company um, leaving that company. Uh, obviously, the negative concept is that Vince is getting power hungry and wants you know, no one to say no to him which is very uh, Vince McMahon-esque. Uh, I'm just trying to think of maybe certain things that have gotten in, I don't know, uh, him having to do stuff in a television-style format that hasn't allowed him to be able to do things a certain way that he wants to do might be one of the positive things. I really don't know. I can't think of a lot of positive uh, coming out of this. But who knows? Uh, you know, Everyone's jumping the gun, thinking this is the worst thing possible. I think that Titan Sports is fine. I think WWE Entertainment is fine. Uh, this is just something of a transition. It just is going to be very interesting with the XFL coming out. Uh, what is going on exactly and what were the reasoning uh, behind you know, him not seeing eye to eye with these two presidents? Uh, Chris, comment on this. How do you feel? Well, my assumption is when these like, quarterly numbers come out for the fourth quarter that they've done well because of the Saudi deal. But those ne- the network subscriptions, I'm assuming, have went down, um, which I believe they haven't ever they haven't been below a million since like 2014 or something like that, and it's kind of estimated that they're going to be below a million, which is kind of a big hit. Um, I think some of that probably has to do with you know moving NXT off um, and just the lack of quality for their pay per views, like you know. But there was a lull there, like around Hell in a Cell and a few pay-per-views right there in the summer that were just nothing happening. Pay-per-views with no real big stars. Um, I think that really hurt them. So we'll see what those numbers look like, but I'm assuming that's what the shift is really about. Um, My other thing would be, and I don't, because there is a board, so it wasn't just Vince, but, you know, they're going to side with Vince. He's the primary stockholder. Uh, But if you look at it, I think some of the stuff that they do on social media, they should dial back. Like, you don't really have to watch SmackDown or Raw. You could just watch, like, unless you just love it like we do, but you could just watch, like, five-minute clips of the match, the highlights, and post all that stuff up for free. And they're constantly promoting social media, but and they have, like, millions and millions of people that follow them on social media, but they don't get any kind of crossover with that. So I'm wondering if maybe some of that is the change in direction that they're talking about. Um, I do know the stock prices, what, last year before the Fox deal was announced was close to $100, I want to say, somewhere around there. So if you just look at it like year over year, uh, that's a massive drop. So that's – I think that's what people are really looking at in this situation. And, you know, Vince is going to have a fall guy. That's all corporations to some extent. It's actually surprising to have two presidents in a corporation for 10 years in all honesty. Like, like I work for a publicly traded company, and in the past 10 years, I think we've had three vice presidents or CFOs. So that's that's just something that happens whenever there's a shift in business. You you see that. It's actually kind of surprising that they were there. 
for 10 years considering everything that's happened. I also think a big thing of the network numbers uh, is going to be, you know, Saudi. I, I still think that's a turn off to a lot of people and probably didn't help them in any, any sort of way. Very good point, and uh, I agree with you. Um, this is just the world of business. We are reporting. Um, I don't have a lot of information one way or another. We'll have to wait and see to find out, you know, what implications happens from this. But uh, we'll move on. Uh, our last subject before we go into AEW Dynamite. just want to give some highlights or some of the big beats from last night. There was four of them in particular for SmackDown. SmackDown, at least to me, did not have as good of a show as Raw. Uh, coming off of the Royal Rumble. They didn't have The Fiend on it. I uh, didn't see Daniel Bryan on it. I don't remember The New Day being on it. Uh, but there were a couple things. Braun Strowman beat Shinsuke Nakamura, won the Intercontinental Championship, and actually looked like he was extremely excited about this. you got to realize Braun has not won any gold besides the tag belts that he was handed to him, and he had to have the kid from the audience, uh, who was actually the referee's son, come out, uh, Nicholas, and be his tag team partner, and then lost those or turned them down the next day because Nicholas couldn't do that because he had school. So he looked really happy, and I was happy for him that he has some type of gold and kind of don't know what the hell is going to happen with Shinsuke from here. I don't think WWE really cares about that, but that was definitely one of the positives. Otis is going to have a date with Mandy Rose on Valentine's Day, two Fridays from now. So, uh, even though the storyline is absolutely ridiculous, I do find it charming. Uh, Baron Corbin lost with his uh, his team of, of Dolph Ziggler and Baron uh, or Baron Bobby Roode against uh, the Usos and Roman Reigns and had to eat dog food and was covered in it. It's craziness. And then probably one of my favorites is that Naomi let Bailey know when she was down cutting a promo saying that she's beaten everyone now on SmackDown that you haven't beaten me. So it looks like they're pushing Naomi. Back in the title picture, which has me very excited, and probably the one big thing I can take from that. Um, what do you think about all these beats, if you will, from last night on SmackDown? Well, I'm really intrigued by the Otis storyline now that it's playing into uh, the you know that tag team. I'm like, God, I'm slipping on her name right now. Uh, Mandy Rose. Mandy Rose, her tag partner's name. For whatever reason, I'm just blinking. Oh, uh, why am I why am I blanking now? Shit! Uh, Fire and Desire, which is her and wow, I am having Sonya Deville. Whew. Yeah, yeah, Sonya Deville. So, so apologies for that, but my my mind went completely blank. I like the idea that she kind of has a crush on Mandy as well. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with that tag team, and and the more Otis we get, the better. Like the thought of Otis. Like, oh yeah. Dressed in denim at a fancy, a fancy restaurant, be like, oh yeah, I'm just like eating bread and shit. Yeah, I'm in on that. That'll be funny. That guy's amazing. He was like one of the best parts of the women's Royal Rumble, and I think that storyline's pretty intriguing if done well. It's way better than what they were gonna do with Lana and, and Liv. We'll, we'll just go with that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you're gonna do the storyline, it would make sense to maybe have someone that does have that sexual preference in real life, as opposed to just forcing it into a shitty wedding angle. So, uh, yeah, so I think that's going to be pretty good. Um, the Nakamura stuff, it just seems like he's going back to NXT, man. Like, Which uh, I'm fine I with, assume, honestly. 
because he loves being in Florida and hanging out there and stuff. It just makes sense. Send him back to NXT. He's got lots of people to work with there. You could make him, like, kind of a – He can hit harder. It's on TV. Yeah, and it's on TV. So, like, it's not like you're losing anything by sending people there now. And and in theory, you're you're bringing audience into that show that's getting beat by AEW. So, to me, that's – you know, him dropping the title kind of looks like he may be shifting there. I think there's going to be a shift in talent in general. Um, just with how strong the women's division is, a shake in NXT. Up. Yeah, it, it this thing is just screaming shake up right before Mania, or trades, or they'll do something. Um, what was the so yeah? Congratulations to Braun for winning the Intercontinental Title. I think it makes sense putting him in the mid card, especially because they're uh, not. I guess they're not 100 percent sure what they're doing there. I don't know who he's going to feud with. I think that's the biggest problem with the SmackDown roster is, like, who the hell is he going to feud with? Maybe, like, Big E or something? It'd be kind of cool to see Big E chase to get the yeah. IC title or something. Like, it'd be fun. Um, and then the Roman Reigns thing, I think the reason that, you know, both Bray and Brian weren't on there is they're just building to Roman versus Bray, and that's kind of why they just killed this feud. I assume that was going to be a pay-per-view stipulation, but it seems like they just killed it off that's the end of it, and now they're moving forward. So maybe you get Corbin versus Braun, and probably Reigns versus Bray, I'm assuming. Now, this doesn't mean diddly. Uh, it looked really like Roman is positioned to go against um, Bray Wyatt at Mania, but he did say recently, and we've heard John Cena saying that he's going to be around for Mania, that he would love to have a match with John Cena, uh, especially a WrestleMania-styled match with him. So I'm not saying that that that's breathes any light into anything. It looks like he's going against Bray. But if that is that, if there is a possibility for that, who is another person that can go against Bray Wyatt, the fiend, at WrestleMania? And also, uh, what do you think about Naomi going for the women's belt? Well, I think you could still you could still do Bryan versus Bray at Mania if you wanted to, and Roman versus John if they wanted to do that match, because you still have Elimination Chamber in the middle. So you could you could do all the Bray shit with Roman between there and then just blow it off at Elimination Chamber uh, if they wanted to go that route. So I think they're kind of that, – that to me seems – the SmackDown – the whole SmackDown side with the women's title and what their big championship mania match is kind of a moving target right now as opposed to Raw for the first time in years being pretty much locked in. I, like, I think we know what's going to happen with Raw, right? So, um, yeah, uh, I like – Naomi getting a title match. It's good to see her come back strong. Uh, very awkward in the Rumble. <laughs> that spot, like we talked about uh, on Thursday's show, was just very awkward. It seemed like she was standing it on my didn't work. for fucking ever. Yeah, like it was not an impressive Kofi Kingston uh, or, or even the stuff that she's done previously uh, kind of spot. So it just felt awkward. But once again, it was her first match back and what, like – Six months, six or seven months, I want to say. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, at least freshens it up with Sasha being out gives Bailey something to do. I don't think you go right back to Lacey, so yeah, it makes perfect sense. And, and Naomi's great. I thought she was a good champion when she was the women's champion, so it'll be interesting. Um, I wonder if she wins the title, and this is a very, very WWE thing if they can't get, like, a good Charlotte match or figure out what they're doing with Charlotte, if she wins the women's title for SmackDown, they could just do Charlotte versus Naomi because it's in Tampa this year. 
which you know what that's was it was it it was Miami was Naomi's hometown, but they may just sell it that she's from Florida kind of thing, and then just have her lose in her hometown because WWE. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's it, the the title situation right now for SmackDown is just going to be weird in general because of Elimination Chamber, I think. Whereas on uh, on Raw, I mean, it's, Brock is holding that belt till Mania. I, I just don't see any fucking way around that. And also, if you know, if they do a a Raw Women's Elimination Chamber. I don't. I don't see Becky dropping that thing either. So. Yep, I would uh, assume that is the case. Um, it'll be interesting. We have uh, stuff going on. Until then, we still have Alexa Bliss on the SmackDown brand. We still have. I think that the Elimination Chamber is going to be for the women's division on SmackDown. Um, I could see that happening, and then the winner will go against uh, Bailey. I guess at Mania. But I'm glad that Naomi is now in that hunt because I like to see her over a lot of other people. Uh, I like the idea, like we said, this is all speculation based off a comment from Roman Reigns that doesn't really bear a lot of weight. But if they're actually going to position Roman against John Cena for a big marquee match, probably be smart because if Daniel Bryan were to be that opponent against Bray, um, I would actually be more okay with if they're going to beat the Fiend after this long and get the title off them with Daniel Bryan doing that than I would with Roman and I think the audience would as well. Uh, any last comments before we move on to AEW Dynamite? No, I, I think I hit most of the things that, at least the things that I have thought of thus far, so let's hit Dynamite. Alright. Uh, thank you courtesy of Uprox for the breakdown of the event uh, this last week, it opened up with John Moxley wearing an eye patch because he's a pirate now. Cut a promo in the ring, putting over Chris Jericho as a great wrestler, but a terrible person. So that Jericho's a bully, and he hates bullies. He promised to take the AEW World Championship at Revolution. He added that he doesn't need to wait until then. He could have the match right now. Chris Jericho came out on stage with the title and the rest of his group um, and put down Mox and the Cleveland crowd. He teased the idea of having a match uh, and then refused and brought out, you know, uh, basically five more guys after Moxley said, I can take all of you. I don't need anyone. I'm in my home state of Ohio. Uh, we're, we're enough, basically. And Chris Jericho was like, oh, it's not just the five of us. Ortiz got a bunch of, you know, a uh, bunch of his, his, his guys, a bunch of goons, basically, to back him up. Uh, this has all the marching towards Moxley. Moxley not giving a shit. Mox, you know, going right after them. He gives Ortiz a uh, a DDT and then jumps on top of the rest of them before people break it up. And Moxley stood in the crowd and mocked Jericho. How'd you like this opening? I, I love. I thought the promo was great. I like that. You know, you get the inner circle um, stacking the odds very heavily, and you get Dean Ambrose kind of overcoming them. And and you know, like, as hard as WWE tries to do this, they try to do these Stone Cold Steve Austin pushes. AEW is the one that actually does it right, <laughs> essentially. You know what I mean? Isn't that, like, baffling? Yeah. It's absolutely baffling. But, yeah, it, it definitely had, like, a very Stone Cold feel to it. And it, it was just a good way to open the show, very hot opening. I, I enjoyed the segment a lot. 
yeah, they're doing a good job of keeping this feud in going forward. It's one of my favorite feuds right now in wrestling. Like, you got Edge and Randy Orton, who's definitely been put on the map. I don't really want an ending right now between The Fiend and Daniel Bryan because they've done such a good job. You have Marty Skrull and Nick Aldis, which is one of my favorites. Uh, Cody, obviously, in his rivalry with MJF. And then especially, I think, one of my favorites, if not the top, uh, maybe going against the new one with Randy Orton Edge, Chris Jericho, and John Moxley. And I'm wondering how they're going to do this because we should make a side note. New Japan, John Moxley showed up with Okada to go against uh, Tai Chi and Minoru Suzuki, and him and Suzuki got just one after it. I don't know which event is first, basically, Chris. Maybe I can kind of look it up right now. But between the time period, I'm just wondering, is it going to be where Moxley drops the U.S. title and then potentially gets the AEW title right afterwards? I mean, he could just retain the U.S. title. I don't think that's going to hurt New Japan in any form or fashion. You know, so the way they put Moxley, I would almost assume that he's going to beat Suzuki. I I could be wrong, but that's what it seems like in Japan. Um, But, yeah, I mean, there's a possibility. I think that show is before the AEW pay-per-view. So, I I mean, technically, yeah, he could drop the title and then win the AEW world title. Um, Honestly, I don't don't think that, like, Moxley fans aren't going to care. Either way, I mean, if he drops the U.S. title in Japan but then wins the AEW title, it's not like they're going to look at the AEW title and be like, well, that's lesser than, um, or at least I don't think so. It's definitely interesting. Uh, He's going to have a hell of a run. He's going, you know, I love that he showed up with the eye patch too, keeping that continuity there. And even when he was in the audience and his eye patch got ripped off a bit, it looked like he had a contact kind of like Jake the Snake had to do back in the day when he was quote-unquote blinded by uh, uh, Rick Martel's uh, perfume. <laughs> you know, it was, like, clear. So, like, when it got ripped up, it looked like his eye was actually fucked up. I thought that attention to detail that John Moxley keeps on doing, pretty good stuff. How did you like his interaction with Minoru? Like, Suzuki was fucking laying it in, man. I remember that part where he kicked him in the face, and then Moxley wanted to do it back. He hit him in the neck, and Minoru Suzuki's like, no, 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 kick me in the face. That guy is a fucking maniac. Yeah, it was awesome, the back and forth where, you know, Moxley does his little dance and he tells him to hit him and then Minoru nails him and then Moxley looks back at Suzuki and he nails him back and then Suzuki's like, nah, nah, seriously. <laughs> you gonna hit me or what? Just Don't be great. a bitch. <laughs> yeah. I'm still... Also, I, I love Okada got in the ring for like two seconds and was like, nah, fuck this, and just got out. <laughs> I don't know you to deal with this bullshit. <laughs> It sucks that we can't ever get a match between Minoru Suzuki, just a fucking brawl, and Rowdy Roddy Piper both in their primes because they would have absolutely ripped each other's faces off and it would have been awesome. Uh, Anyways. Uh, One other thing about the Moxley, uh, the eye patch, apparently he wore that fucking thing on that cruise the entire time. (laughs) That's got to make you so, like, completely lose your your balance. It's crazy. Yeah, I – I mean, you're already on a boat, like, rocking around, and then you're going to wrestle a match with a fucking eye patch on and, and then wear it the entire time? I mean, good for you, Moxley. You're more of a man than me. <laughs> no kid, My de- depth perception would be off so badly for that. All right, so we had uh, – cool. I like these, these, these vignettes they're doing, and I like that Jim Ross is saying that, you know, basically the wrestlers send it into them, so it makes a little more sense than just cameras being there. 
but it was MJF and Wardlow meeting, well, Bunny the Butcher and the Blade at an actual butcher shop. And so now we kind of know that these guys are hired mercenaries, if you will, because he gives them a bunch of money and says young bucks that would have him come out with the Butcher, the Blade, and the Bunny and Wardlow to do a little bit of commentating while they went against the young bucks. Uh, unfortunately, the Blade was pinned after a Metzler driver, much to the annoyance of MJF, who was on commentary during the match after the bell. The Butcher attacked the Bucks, but Kenny Omega ran out to make the save. And <laughs> one of my favorite things, Adam Page comes out there. He's kind of stumbling <laughs> a little bit. He's drinking his beer. He gets to the apron, and he goes, hey, hey, Matt, hold my beer. Literally says that and then does his lariat. What, what they're doing right now with Adam Page, I think everyone needs to, and you've said this before, chill out. I think that he's just kind of having a good time, and that's his character. But this is adding so much more layers than he had initially when he was posed as the guy that was going to be the first AEW champion. So I really liked all of this. I loved, I loved MJF running down Tony Schiavone and telling him that he's got a, a, a $100 uh, suit on or whatever and just going after him and Jim. <laughs> Uh, just just great stuff, man. MJF's an awesome heel, and I can't wait for the match with him and Cody. Uh, great match. What did you think? Did you see the thing? Like, I think it was a plant, but, like, the guy had, like, spare some change, and MJF pulled out, like, a 20 and ripped it in half and then slapped him. No, I didn't see that part. <laughs> I don't know if it was <laughs> in between the break or what, but it was definitely floating around on twi- uh, Twitter. I was like, that's awesome. Um, yeah, MJ, MJF playing this perfectly. I, I think they need to establish Wardlow um, somehow, which I guess this cage yes. match with, with Cody will be the big establishing moment. But, you know, give him a squash match or something. But, uh, I, you know, maybe he's a badass. I, I don't know that I've ever seen him wrestle. So it's going to be interesting um, for his first you know, match to go against Cody. You know, Comparing to probably one of the first times I really remember, at least in my wrestling time period, of seeing like the uh, the, the 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 extra goon, if you will, that's a big dude that kind of comes out with Shawn Michaels with Diesel, and I'm trying to think of how long they had Kevin Nash shutting up before he actually started doing his own thing. I think the cage match, like you said, though, is going to be his his you know his coming out party of of, of him being able to show what type of monster he is based on, you know, not just him being in a fucking suit the whole entire time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it'd be awesome if they do, if they do something like, um, Wardlow ends up turning on MJF and then he gets another, they just reca- recap that entire storyline with Sean. Cause if you remember after diesel, like kind of became babyface, he just went out and got Sid Vicious <laughs> to be his new body. Yeah. That seems like that's right. Uh, so that could be really cool. Maybe that guy is Brian Cage. Who the hell knows? Um, hey, well, but yeah, they, I mean, I like that. Or Brody Lee. <laughs> There's a lot of cool stuff they could do with that if they if they wanted to go down that road. Um, I like the Adam Page stuff a lot. It's, it's I I think it's fine. And once again, I'm not 100 percent sure that he's not going to be like I was pretending the whole time and turn shit back heel. Yeah. That's a good point too. Um, it'll be interesting what's happening with him, but I love that that you know hold my beer moment. That was fucking hilarious. All right, so we had Nyla Rose going against Big Swole. I mean, Big Swole got a lot of offense. Nyla ended up beating her. I'm just, I don't know. I wasn't into this match. Uh, I'm I'm trying more and more to get invested in the women's division. I think that they've taken leaps. Uh, 
you know, since they were a couple of weeks ago. But Nyla is a monster. I really don't understand why she's not going for the title again. Uh, this match was kind of sloppy. Uh, I really do like Big Swole, and I want to see uh, good things out of her. Uh, I believe she's the wife of Cedric Alexander. Um, How do you feel about this match? And uh, where do you think Nyla Rose is going? I think Big Swole's going to be pretty damn good. I think she just needs a little more in-ring time, and that extra hour getting added to AEW is probably going to help the women's division quite a bit. Um, just because they have so many damn, they have like so much shit that they try to get into a two-hour period, um, which, which is crazy because they actually have storylines as opposed to WWE that has like three hours of one storyline sometimes. Uh, but yeah, I, I like Big Swole a lot. The match itself was a little sloppy, like you said, and I, I don't know. Is Nyla Rose going to be targeted by the Nightmare Collective? And then you just do oh, Kong versus Nyla, which often Kong's injured right now, right? Yep, she is injured. So I, maybe that's kind of why you're getting this little, like just random Nyla matches now, because I always assumed that, I, that was going to be the thing. I could have sworn not. They said during the match that Nyla is, uh, you know, I think second on the on the uh, on the standings. So it's like you'd think that she'd be going after Rio again, but. They haven't really gone down that road. I guess they're still trying to build her as a, you know, a beast heel, if you will. Um, so it's interesting. Well, I, mean, she I do. The, she she lost to Rio, so it's like you kind of, you got to build her back up, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting with their statistics, and and especially since they weren't around for that long, and then they just restarted everything, you know, at the beginning of this year. I kind of wonder if that was a smart decision or if they could have just waited until the duration of the next year and just had like a little bit more for the first season, if you will, since they started late, if that makes sense. Well, um, I think they wanted to reset like the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega's records and like Adam Page's Pretend record. all that didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like basically, I mean, if you really think about it, it makes sense because they're their top guys. They help put over uh, different talent at the beginning and then they reset the records. And if you look at what they've done, Recently, they haven't really been taking losses. No. All right, let's talk about this match next. It's been kind of um, divisive, like a lot of stuff in wrestling. Cody Rhodes with Arn Anderson going against Kip Sabian with Penelope Ford. Um, the divisiveness more so is the fact of why does Cody, one of the best mic talkers, need Arn Anderson, uh, you know, as his quote unquote coach? I like all the elements of Arn Anderson, him looking like Mike Ditka coming out, having the the uh, clipboard, if you will, with different things, you know, telling Cody uh, put his legs up or whatever. Or, but I can see what people are saying a bit when it comes to does Cody really need this? Is this going in a direction? And if this is a direction where inevitably Arn's going to fuck over Cody, are they just really trying to make Cody sting where everyone just keeps on screwing him over and abandoning him? Because uh, that's what it kind of se- seems like, in a sense. Um, but it's it's interesting. But I liked actually the interaction. Penelope Ford looked like a good manager on her end, trying to distract with the shoe. Arn Anderson getting pissed off. Kip Sabian getting in his face. Arn's this close to doing something and he doesn't. Uh, and then grabbing the shoe, throwing it in the audience, getting in the uh, face of the referee, getting kicked out and ejected from it. And Cody telling him like it's it's fine. It's interesting where they're going. I'll, I'll give it that, but I get the the other 
you know, side of it of does Cody really need this person? Why hasn't Cody made a promo in a while? What the hell's the point of all this? Arn could be helping out a younger talent that doesn't have as much mic skills. And I, I think that's, that, that's good. But I thought the match was great. I thought, like I said, they u- utilized Penelope Ford really well. And I like that that one spot where Kip Sabian and Penelope are about to kiss and creepily Penelope's actual ex-boyfriend, uh, Joey Janela, puts his <laughs> head up. They, they kiss him on both cheeks. And then that gives Cody, because they're both like, what the fuck? Cody grabs Kip Sabian and gives him two crossroads because he pissed him off and pins him one, two, three. Uh, it's, it's also interesting that you would think that Cody would have tactics with a woman valet distracting, you know, the defense, if you will, since he's done it for so many years with Brandy, but we're probably not supposed to think that much into it. I actually really like the match. I really like the angle, but like I said, there were problems from different people. I actually thought it was classic wrestling, much like Brian Alvarez. What'd you think, Chris? I liked it. I thought it was fun. Uh, there wasn't anything that really stood out to me as terrible. I love the Joey Janela spot. I thought it was pretty funny, um, con- you know, considering the relationship they have. Penelope Ford is great. They actually need to do more with her, I think. Honestly, she's kind of like a bright spot on that women's division um, in general. So hopefully they'll start putting her in some matches. But she's doing a great job as that manager as well. So um, the, the Cody with Arn thing because they have so long to that pay-per-view, it just, it just screams that Arn, they're only doing this so Arn can get beat up by, like, MJF and Wardlow. Just to further piss Cody off kind of thing. So I'm assuming that's where they're going with it. So I, did, I don't have a huge problem with it. Um, and they just can't, they can't just do promos with those two every week. So I'm kind of fine with, with Arn just kind of being involved because I'm just assuming he's going to get killed at some point. Oh, I just thought of a story beat that would be a little bit too on the nose, but would make a lot of sense just based on what happened. So they have the cage match, and Wardlow loses to Cody, obviously, to further everything. MJF comes, rushes the ring. Arn gets involved. He gets inside. All of them are in the cage. And then they basically get the better of him. You know, Cody's already kind of fucked up. And they just start destroying him. And in front of Cody, maybe they take – you know, in the cage, they lock it up. No one can get in. Maybe even the Young Bucks are trying so hard, profusely, to get in the ring. They can't get this damn lock that MJF put on it. And MJF and Wardlow are just beating the living hell out of Arn and Cody. They maybe take uh, some uh, fucking, uh, what, are, what are they called, um, that police officers have. Uh, you know, they tie, they tie Cody basically to one of the turnbuckles. He can't do shit. And they quote-unquote break Arn's arm in front of Cody in the cage. Very symbolic the four horsemen doing it to Dusty Rhodes. Would that be too on the nose for booking, Chris? No, I mean, it logically makes sense. So I'd have no problem with it. The only problem that you can see out of that is that Cody has to win the match to go against MJF. Like, that's oh, yeah, he would cool. have to win. It so would have to be out probably a, a pissed-off MJF, you know, Wardlow loses, rushes the ring, is like, fuck this, and then they double-team him is what I would assume. Yeah, and and then if they go that route, because they've already teased the judge thing, you could have, like, Arn, like, a time limit draw, and, like, maybe MJF get the better of Cody, and, like, kind of Arn, because of the heat with MJF, puts Cody, gives Cody the win instead or something later on the road if they want to continue the feud. So I think there's a lot of cool stuff they can do with that. Um, 
and it just all logically makes sense. It's it's wrestling. It's like wrestling with the storyline makes sense. Like Edge and Edge and Orton. That shit makes sense. It's great. Yep. When wrestling's good, it's really good. <laughs> I, I kind of hope something like this happens. I think that would be pretty awesome. So we had an interview with Dr. Britt Baker with Tony Schiavone, and I have to say, I don't know if she's been talking to her her hubby, her uh, Adam Adam Cole, and trying to get better. But she actually cut, maybe based on the material more so than anything, a pretty good heel promo, trying to come off, you know, like like last week. You know, she was actually her and Tony were were a great unit, and they were entertainment. And she cut down. Uh, Tony again about everything, calling a barista. And then, and you don't mess with JR with the audience. She takes aim at JR saying, uh, you know, that he's turned into a sloppy barbecue sales rep who can't even get the roster's names right half the time instead of the commentator that she grew up with and kind of lays it into him. And um, I have to say, you know, this is good. I think this version of Britt Baker is good, um, and I don't have a problem with it. I still will say that she was kind of one of their shiny baby faces, so it's kind of weird. But, I mean, they got to do what they got to do. But she also, she's been calling out the fact that she's been there every week fighting, unlike Rio. So I think they're, they're going to position this, uh, you know, with a match between the two of them. And I wouldn't – I wouldn't uh, – I think it would be weird booking-wise if she inevitably beats Rio as a heel to go forward with a different direction for the women's division. I don't know if they're going to do that, but it looks like that might be some place where they're going. At the end of it, she then diagnosed Shivani with gingivitis because his breath was terrible. <laughs> I actually, I actually got to say, I thought this was a pretty good heel promo, Chris. What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was a good, uh, a lot better than her first two or three promos. Um, specifically the dentistry one where she was still a baby face. That stands out as being completely awful. She's getting better, so maybe she listened to the uh, podcast last week where we recommended that she goes and talks to Tully and Arn since they work in the back and tours like two of the best promos of all time. Uh, so maybe maybe she took the advice, you know? I don't know. But uh, this promo was much better. The, the point, pointing aim at JR is smart in multiple reasons because – it turns the fan base that loves JR against her, but it also points out kind of the shitty fans that have been saying these things about JR in a way where they can feel kind of conflicted. Uh, so that in itself, I thought was really interesting. And the gingivitis thing also makes sense because she's a dentist. So like, like I said, I, I thought the promo was great. I know a lot of people uh, are still iffy about it, but this is a much better direction. And I feel like she's getting better each week. It's just going to take time. And if she keeps working on, the heel promo, I, you know, it could be really great. I like your idea with Rio. I think that's probably the right way to go. And then you can build up someone like Statlander or um, even a Rio rematch afterwards. Because I, I would assume at some point Rio is going to return to Japan, which is why she's not there like week in and week out. Yeah, that's that's what I would assume as well. Uh, just. Very interesting. I think it was a good way to, you know, set everything up and uh, pull pull the women's division uh, forward a bit. I would say, and uh, yeah, I like I like her going after Jr. I thought that made a lot of sense. Here's a question to you: What do you think they're going to do with this this extra hour? They obviously have Tony Schiavone, they have Jim Ross, they have Excalibur, and they have Taz. Now Alex Marvez has been doing stuff back 
We know that Chris Von Vliet sometimes does interviews, and they have an array of different uh, female interviewers, um, one being Diamond Dallas Page's daughter. I forgot what her name is right now, Lexi something. Um, but for commentary, once they get the next show, who do you think the commentating teams are? Because I'm kind of thinking for Dynamite, Shivani and Jim Ross, and then for the other one, Excalibur and Taz. But they could do something completely different. I mean, if they do the if they want to do the three piece thing, uh, what I would do is just make it Excalibur, Jr. and Taz, and then just have Shivani be their mean gene because he's actually way better in that role doing these interviews, like in the middle of the ring and being that guy. Um, and, and not that he's bad on commentary or anything, but he plays that role perfectly, like the stuff he did with. Cody well, you know Lolo. what I think? I think the thing that holds him back on commentary a bit, Chris, is the fact that. He's supposed to be the lead announcer. That's what he was always known for Monday, was leading the charge a bit. And JR was as well, but JR can be the guy that highlights stuff as, you know, doing that. Taz has always kind of been a highlighter, if you will. You know, the people that drive it always have been kind of like Tony Schiavone, JR, Michael Cole even will give to him that. Um, or even with TNA, uh, I guess you, you would think that, uh, what's his name, Micah, or not Micah, um, Mike Tanay, yeah, would would have been the, yep. the, the lead commentator. So I, I would assume that if you're going to use Tony Schiavone, you either put him as, like you're saying, and like I've said before, as the mean gene, the interviewer, or he's got to be the lead commentator. Yeah, and I think he's – but, I mean, to be fair, I think he's been really, like, perfectly fine on commentary, but he's not always there. So it seems like they're kind of transitioning yeah. into that role anyway. If I would say my much rather be like the Mean Gene. Mean Gene's such a big part of WCW and WWF. Like he's a huge character, and if you can kind of be that as Tony Schiavone, that's almost better than being just the announcer. You know what I mean? Like, so I think I would put him there because like Taz on commentary when they did that recently was really fucking good. Like that 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 uh, him Jr. and Excalibur doing commentary together was pretty pretty awesome. So I I would maybe go that route or at least rotate Taz in and Shivani out on and off or something. But I feel like they're still going to stick with the three announcer thing. I don't, I don't know if you're going to get away with that. What I would say is like, and we've bitched about this in the past. If they're going to debut new characters and they're going to have Excalibur be the one to call it, like, please, for the love of God, give us a 10 second explanation. <laughs> like, please. The butcher, the blade. Yeah, he's never going to outlive that whole entire thing. Um, uh, but, yeah, well, I agree we, with you. Well, he he did it, like, four weeks later with Luther. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, he, yeah, if he keeps doing it, he's not going to outlive it. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, I agree. But they have some pretty damn good commentators. they got four hours now of wrestling. Well, they will. You know, once that new hour starts for the other show, obviously Dynamite and then Dark – to be able to figure out what they want to do. So it will be interesting. Um, but, yeah, let's uh, move on. We got the backstage. The Young Bucks were talking about the Dark Order and how they'd eventually like to work their way uh, to the Tag Championship, um, you know, talking to Kenny about that. Uh, while that happened, a drunk Adam Page interrupted and showed off his belt and the new nameplates that they had and said, hey, man, you know that they went ahead and made everyone's nameplates, so if they become champions, they just don't have to worry about it? Here's yours, and threw them at the Young Bucks. Uh, Kenny got him to walk away uh, and then was like, sorry about that. You know, it, it's going to be fine. It's going to be the four of us next week. 
you know, going against Butcher and the Blade and two tag team partners, and we would find out those are the Lucha Bros. So Butcher Blade, Lucha Bros against Kenny, Adam Page, and the Young Bucks. How I, – I feel like next week's a breaking point. I feel like there's going to be – a big confrontation between Adam Page and probably Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson because of what happens in that said match. What do you think they're doing? How'd you like this backstage interview? Uh, man, he's just, he's coming off like such a baby face in a way. I mean, I guess that was kind of a heel ass move throwing the nameplates at them, but also like earlier in the night, he's like super over his baby face, which makes it weird, but I'm assuming, he, you know, he turns heel. And what I would hope is if they're going to do that, also turn Kenny Omega heel. Like, why not? You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to do it, maybe Kenny sides with uh, Adam Page or something. Uh, that could be fun. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming that the Young Bucks are eventually going to win the titles due to the breakup of Adam Page and uh, and Omega. But you could flip the script and have, uh, I mean, you could do something completely crazy and, you know, have the Young Bucks turn heel. Or something. I don't know. It, there's a lot of things they can do with that storyline. I think we talked about it a little bit last week. But, uh, man, if, if they could just push Adam Page just a little bit with what he's got going right now, um, man, I think he could be super, super over. And now that they're actually yeah, giving him something to do, it's, he's nailed it. Everything they've asked him to do, he's kind of nailed. I agree. But uh, all right. it so, really makes me uh, it, it really makes me wish that like him and James Storm could do a tag team called Cowboy Shit though. Oh man, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that <laughs> they would could be so out cool. on those, They could ride out on those motorized coolers that James Storm used to ride out on. <laughs> yep. Sorry for your damn life, man. That'd be so <sighs> cool. Yeah. Well, let's hope there is a possibility of NWA and AEW working together, and they kind of seem like that the start of that might be happening. So we'll have to wait and see, but I love that idea. All right, so we had SCU coming out to go against the Hybrid 2. Um, it was Scorpio Sky, obviously, and Frank Kazarian. I'm assuming they're not trying to go for the Freebird rule because they haven't been using Christopher Daniels in the tag team. It's always been Frankie and um, Scorpio defending the belts. But obviously Christopher was there for support. Uh, pretty good match, very fast-paced. I will say, I like what they did after that. After that. Um, after the match, I should say, with the Dark Order. I wish that they would have mentioned on the mic the fact that they lost the titles and something to the extent of, we were the first champions, we're going to get those back, you know, something like that. They kind of just had a match. It was the first time afterwards, which was fine. Uh, after the match, though, after Scorpio Sky pinned Angelico, um, the Dark Order appeared on a Titan Shroom and warned Christopher Daniels that they're targeting him and his family and his friends. Uh, Christopher Daniels looked very upset in the ring. Uh, and it's very interesting. You know, there's been so many rumors, Chris, over who that person is going to be uh, that's in charge of everyone uh, in the Dark Order. You know, will it be? It, apparently, it was originally thought out for Marty Skrull. He's obviously not coming to AEW as of right now. Uh, everyone kind of is on the Matt Hardy train, which I love that idea. But just given the past and based on what happened with the, you know, reveal back in the day of, of who the higher power was in WWE and how it ended up being the man after they were going to set up Christopher Daniels, do you think that possibly Daniels is just playing stupid and he's actually going to be the leader of the Dark Order? 
And how'd you like the match? Oh, I liked the match a lot. I thought it was very good. I mean, they they always have good matches, SCU, those, those guys. I mean, they're not always like five-star, but they're always super solid. Um, Christopher Daniels has done the Fallen Angel gimmick before, so that could possibly be a fit. I mean, I guess I'm kind of biased to it because I, I would like to see Matt Hardy. You know, like I think that's a big name to get for AEW and put him in there and kind of be the quacky leader of, of that. And then, you know, eventually Jeff, I would assume, would follow suit at some point. And there's just a lot you could do with that. But uh, Christopher Daniels was the fallen angel in TNA, his kind of darker gimmick where he paints like the yep. symbol over his eye and stuff. I could see that. That could be really good as well. Christopher Daniels is a very underrated promo, and obviously he hasn't gotten that much um, mic time in AEW, but, yeah, he could fit that role probably. I don't see why he couldn't, and it would make sense if they want to branch Scorpio off by itself, you know, so they could they could definitely do something like that. Cool information so I found out in the interview. Uh, I was, was going to say that with Kazarian, he could just follow the suit with Christopher Daniels and just kind of make, you know, Scorpio odd men out if they want to go that route. And I'd be down with that. I think it would be a funny reveal, though, if, you know, it's who is the leader, and then they pick off his mask and they kind of like, it was me all along. You know, they don't have to go that route. But um, <laughs> one thing I found out from Christopher Daniels uh, within TNA Basically, management kind of flopped what was supposed to happen with him and Sting. Uh, Sting kind of wanted to put him over at the end of their feud and kind of give him, because they had a similar look, he was saying, and kind of give him the nod, if you will, within their feud. And TNA was going to do that and decided not to and put Sting over. Uh, So it seems like Daniels kind of has a history of getting fucked over by management. (laughs) So... I hope wherever he goes, they, they use him to the fullest. I think it, if he went to uh, the Dark Order or at least became the Fallen Angel, it would give him a lot more to do than just being Frank Kazarian and fucking Scorpio Sky's cheerleader, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, but I think he's going to be filling the same kind of role either way, right? Like, so he's kind of going to be in a managerial position um, having matches here and there. So, That's a good point. Well, it will be I, interesting. Uh, I I think it's more sorry. fun than what they're doing with SCU currently. So, and there's that. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe they feel like it's run its course. I have no idea. But or maybe Scorpio and and like and Frankie will stay together. Maybe Frankie, like you said, will kind of branch off and screw him over and join Christopher. Maybe they'll have a. Uh, there's a lot of maybes. Obviously, we're just playing fantasy booking. Uh, one thing, another promo sent in by Pac. Uh, Pac cut a promo in black and white on an outdoor scare- staircase in England, which, by the way, in his gear, fucking freezing in England. You can see his breath, and he's in this damn corridor just looking like a, a monster. He told John Moxley that if there's anything left of him after the inner circle gets done with him, Pac wants to pluck his eyes out or pluck out his other eye. Uh, and then he told Kenny Omega that he's coming for him next week. Uh, you know, they're going for the best of three. The rubber match between the two of them should be fucking awesome. As Chris Jericho said before, Kenny and uh, Pac are such perfectionists uh, when it comes to work rate that 
it much reminds him of of Eddie and 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 and, and uh, Chris Benoit back in the day of their perception of wrestling. So, you know, first one was kind of out of nowhere thrown together. They still had a good match, even though both those guys apparently hated it. Second one was a really damn good match. I hope the third one outdoes the, the previous two. Really love this promo. I love Pac as a character. He's very believable. Intensity's there. He just makes you believe that he's that psycho intense type of person, which is crazy if you go a couple years ago when he was teaming up with Stephen Amell and had his hair tucked behind his ears <laughs> and was Neville, uh, you know. But, hey, that's what happens in wrestling. What do you think about this promo, Chris? Well, to be fair to, to Neville, he did become King Neville, which was a pretty good heel character in WWE. Um, but yes, I agree with you. It is a, it is a very big juxtaposition, babyface Neville versus heel. I, he's just way better as a heel. That's like when Randy Orton's a babyface. He's just way that much better as a heel. I like the promo. Um, the entire time I was like, is he going to go to like the thrift store in his ring gear after this or something? You know what I mean? Like, he's going to go into Starbucks or something, get some coffee. Um, but it was very intense. It was a good promo. And uh, that Kenny Omega... Pac match is going to be fucking probably really, really great. Um, I'm assuming Kenny's going to lose because he already has the title and you would hope that the bastard uh, pack would get his win back. Yeah, I would think that he would need to. Kenny's actually got two titles, but no one talks about him still being the uh, AAA mega champion. <laughs> I don't even know if he's defended it that much besides that one time. Uh, in Mexico. He's defended, I, th- I believe, twice. One on AEW Dark and one in Mexico. That's it. I, I wonder what Conan thinks about that. that. I completely forgot that he was a AAA champion. He's like the death sure about Jared this. of AAA champions. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, AAA AAA held that thing for a long time, just kind of for no reason. Yeah, and this was this was Conan's idea to put him. Yeah, he's a current champion, and I think he's only defended it twice. So, all right, okay. Uh, anyways, last match we had Chris Jericho, Santana Ortiz with Sammy Guevara and Jack Hager on the outside going against Private Party and Darby Allen. Um, I thought this was a pretty damn good match. I can't remember if it's Isaiah Cassidy. Or uh, which which member of of private party? One of them bothers the fuck out of me with his selling. It's ridiculous. It's over the top. It looks dumb. There's one part where he was doing a twitch thing with his hand, kind of worked for me. Everything else, it was like Shawn Michaels against Hulk Hogan times ten. Just kind of just silly. And uh, I I think they're a great unit, and I think they they do great tag team stuff. Some of it doesn't come off. As they they seem basically a bit green, I would say. Darby, are you Allen, talking about private? Uh, private party or Darby Allen's team? What I'm talking about, uh, private party. I'm talking about Isaiah Cassidy. Okay, I, I misunderstood. I was just clarifying. <laughs> no, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Private party, I think, are a little bit green. I think Isaiah Cassidy he sells too over the top. It's a little bit fucking ridiculous. Um. But once Darby Allen gets in, man, he fucking annihilates everyone, and it's believable, even based on his size, his intensity. He's got that, if you will, uh, you know, Minoru Suzuki, hit me, motherfucker. I don't care. Like, he likes pain. And 
awesome stuff. I love the interaction with him and Chris Jericho. It kind of seems like after Chris Jericho pinned Isaiah Cassidy with the Judas Effect. By the way, probably the best Judas Effect I've seen so far where it actually looked believable. Um, after the match, the heels beat down on the opponents. I love how they leave, and they're like, wait a minute, what are we doing? And they run back in the ring, and they start beating the shit out of them. Sammy Guevara hit Darby in the ribs and the throat with his own skateboard. I think we're going to get a Darby Allen-Sammy Guevara feud, which will be fucking great. And then John Moxley ran out with a baseball bat and drove off the inner circle, ending Monday or Monday night dynamite. Wednesday night dynamite. Uh, what'd you think, Chris? I, I like the end segment. I like that once again, you know, you get a stone cold moment for Moxley. He comes out, clears the ring with baseball bat. Pretty awesome. Darby Allen's fucking phenomenal. Um, that Sammy, if they do a Sammy Guevara feud, that's going to be great because Sammy Guevara's. I know he's kind of like in the middle of the road right now, like considered like mid card, I would say. But he's so great. Like his selling, everything he does, even when it was like Moxley uh, accepting the offer to become part of the inner circle, and he's just on the outside of the ring, so happy and so ecstatic. Like that guy's going to be phenomenal. Um, yeah, I mean, the match itself was pretty good. I agree with you on Private Party. I, I misheard you. I thought you were saying that, like, Darby was overselling for a second there because it kind of ran together in my, my mind. I was like, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, Private Party, I think it's just experience, honestly. I, I agree with you with yep. them just being a little green. So more TV time will help. I mean, they, they still are really good in the ring. Um, and they have some great people to pick the brains of in the back with, you know, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Tully, Arn, Kevin Sullivan, <laughs> Dean Malenko. Uh, so I feel like the, you know, they're just going to get better the more and more they work. This is the first match they've had on Dynamite in a while, right? I believe so. I, think, I don't think they wrestled on the cruise unless it was on uh, Dark. I, just, I think Mark Quinn is, and I hate doing this to tag teams, I think he's a star of the two of them. Uh, and I think he's a little bit more um, – I just Isaiah Cassidy, his selling is just too over the top. It looks ridiculous half the time. There was actually a spot that I'm just now remembering where they did Chris Jericho did a move on him and then Santana did a move on him and the way that he just overly like sold it, he moved out of place so Ortiz couldn't do his like his fall down splash thing. He even goes, You're you're messing up my spot. He literally said that out loud and I was like, <laughs> it just kinda continued. The 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 hand twitching things it can work. It just – dude, don't act like you get hit by a fucking rhino when you just get by a clothesline. I mean, it just – it comes off too damn animated. And it is green, I mean, and I think they will get better. The good example of doing, like, a hand twitch or something was Edge on Monday, where yes. he, it was like he was shaking it out to see if he still had feeling in his arm because of his neck. Like, that's a master class in selling. Just watch Edge uh, take those chair shots and really put on <laughs> – Put on the the good old cell, um, yeah. So yeah, I, but yes, a, a hand twitch in a situation like that makes sense. But like, I don't know why the hell is your arm freaking out from the clothesline? You're right. I mean, unless they've been working your neck the entire match and you're trying to, like I said, make sure you have feeling in your arm or something. Yeah, but either way, good stuff. Like I said, I think the biggest thing to take away it looks like we might be getting Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen, and you know, Moxley keeps on pushing himself like he is that badass for the company. You know, the one that's not going to give a fuck and beat everyone down. Like you said, Austin-esque, 
you know, for Nitro, DDPS, you know, that guy that's like, I'll street fight all of you motherfuckers. I don't care. Come on. Let's do this. And I really love that edge they're giving him. And I love that we're getting to see Moxley in a completely different light in Japan where he still has the same elements, but he's turning more, like we've said, on that Terry Funk, I'm a crazy-ass brawler and I'll brawl everyone and I don't care style. He's adding so much layers to himself as a professional wrestler, and I'm really enjoying the journey with John Moxley. Do you think he's going to win the title? I think we already went over this, but do you think he's going to win the title with Jericho? Man, it's so hard because Chris has been such a good champion, but I think he probably will win the title. Um, if not, I think there's something cool that they can kind of do with that new Japan character. He has the Death Rider. Um, maybe you could do something a little dark where he starts taking these people out one by one or something if he gets fucked over. It just depends on how long they want to drag it out. I think the biggest problem with AEW is unless you're going to do that title change on TV, there are only four pay-per-views a year, so it's quarterly. So after this pay-per-view, you're going to have like another three, four months before the next one. So that's that's kind of the biggest issue. So it makes sense to put the title on Moxley, I guess. It's gonna be uh it's gonna be interesting. But great week in wrestling, man. Good stuff all the way around. Uh fantastic uh, you know, episode I would say of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. I think that our last two episodes we covered a lot of stuff and uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the content. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh if you're a new listener. Uh, go to geekvibesnation.com. There you'll find news for lots of different geek-related things. Uh, we go over wrestling stuff. We go over comic books, movies, all that, and a bag of chips. And you'll find links to our Instagram, our Facebook, our Twitter, Geek Fives Nation. Search them out. Join the groups. Join the conversation. Be a part of Geek Fives Nation. Uh, wrestling Geeks Alliance, you can find us on all audio platforms, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on on SoundCloud, on iTunes. Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance. If you want to find me on Twitter, I am DaneAls42. Let me know what you thought of the show. Uh, we have a conversation and stuff, and uh, hopefully it'll be civil. That'll be fun. But either way, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I want to thank, of course, my awesome co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, for joining me on his Saturday morning uh, Chris, give any plugs? Uh, how is Skate the Throats doing? Skate the Throats doing awesome. We got another show today. Uh, it should be posted posted up later, probably uh, this evening or tomorrow. Uh, so we're doing another Skate the Throats podcast. We're talking about some rivalries. We got a uh, Detroit Red Wings versus the Chicago Blackhawks, the original six rivalry. So that'll be a lot of fun. We're also talking uh, a new inductee to the Hall of Fucking Awesome, which if you listen to the show, you know what that is. So that's going to be great. Uh, Dane, if I don't talk to you next week, man, I'm just going to assume that Tanahashi kidnapped you and you're a young lion. <laughs> I'm too old for this shit. Um, maybe. <laughs> if if maybe. I get a chance to meet him afterwards, I'm going to be very excited, but I don't think I'm going to know what the hell to say to him at all. Because I'll just be in the uh, the grace of greatness. Um, well, I mean, yeah, dep- I'm really depending on to what it. you, yeah, depending on what you say, it's not going to matter. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's a language barrier. <laughs> a little bit. But, uh, but if I say case, over and over again, I love you, I love you, I love you. Will that be weird? Oh, he'll understand that. Then he'll then he'll just give you a hug. He'll feel like I feel like this guy needs a hug. <laughs> Should I bring a towel? 
maybe. Did you get some streamers? Stop by Party City. Well, you know, some streamers. Try to be in the front rows. Yeah, I know that Tony Hashi likes to take people's towels and put his sweat on the face. I don't actually know if I really fucking want that, honestly. Kind of a weird <laughs> Japanese. Unless you're trying to clone him. Yeah, unless you're trying to clone him, it is really weird. But uh, yeah, man. Everyone, you can hit me up at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter and Christopher.R.Patton on Facebook. Dane, always enjoy talking to you. Thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, man, I hope you have a fucking awesome time at New Japan. I'm, I'm really jealous. I hope I do, too. And uh, I guess... And that's the bottom line. Just don't go You guys have a great weekend, and join us. Remember, we do this show on Thursdays at 7 p.m. EST, and then Saturdays noon EST. So join us next Thursday for another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Let the geek vibes be with you, and of course, peace out. Hey, monkeys, it's me, D-D-T, Diamond Dallas Page, the king of Bada Bing, the master of Diamond Cutter, the three-time world champion professional wrestler, WWE Hall of Famer, and CEO and founder of DDP Yoga. And you monkeys, well, you're listening to Geek Vibes Nation. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. <laughs>